It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Vikings. Your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. So hard. Every day. Looks like it's gonna rain all night. This is caught by Bryant. He's inside the five to the end zone. Touchdown! I guess I'll have to accept. Roethlisberger on third and one. On the toss. Into the end zone. Touchdown! Juju Smith-Schuster. From the 29-yard line on first down. Wide open, it's Brown. Antonio Brown across midfield. Out of bounds at the Vikings. 45, a 26-yard catch and run. With the, the defense having as many penalties as it did, how big of a surprise was that? Well, I don't know if it's a surprise or not. We, we can't have penalties. Win games. Big plays and penalties. Yes, I guess I'll just go crazy tonight. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code Locked On, one word, at MyBookie.ag. Sage Rosenfels, the co-host. My name is Sam Ekstrom. You can find us on Twitter at Sage Rosenfels18 or at Sam Ekstrom. Well, that was not a very fun football game yesterday. The Vikings lose 26-9. There were 21 combined accepted penalties and several more that were declined. Minnesota lost in all three phases, offense, defense, special teams. It was not pretty, and the big story surrounding it all is the absence of Sam Bradford. We didn't really even have a clue this was going to happen on Friday. We just assumed, well, he's been held out a little bit, but it's just, you know, veterans' privilege to take off some time from practice. Well, he missed the game due to some swelling in his knee, probably a result of his multiple surgeries. And Case Keenum took his place. And as good as Keenum looked in the preseason, he didn't look quite as good yesterday. No interceptions, but no touchdowns either, 20 of 37. Vikings were kind of behind the eight ball from the beginning, Sage. They were, and and you know, I have no issue with how Case Keenum played in that football game. You know, at the end of the day, uh, if you just look at the two football teams, Pittsburgh Steelers and the Vikings. Uh, if Sam Bradford's 100% healthy going to that game, the Steelers are just a better football team. They're a top-five team in the NFL uh, right now. Uh, they've got a, a great quarterback. They probably have the best or one of the best receivers, one of the best running backs. Uh, their defense is pretty dang good. They're not as good as the past defenses, but they're a pretty dang good defense. And you know the Vikings, without their starting quarterback, go out there. Uh, and you don't expect him to, you know, to light it up. If you did expect him to light, up, light it up against that defense, he should be a starter, you know, somewhere in the NFL. So uh, he gave the Vikings a chance to win. Uh, you know, when your backup's playing on the road at Pittsburgh, 
the the rest of your team, the other guys dressing, they have to really pull that game out. And as long as your quarterback doesn't go out there and you know throw three interceptions, uh, he, he gave the Vikings a chance to win. He he did his job, but the, the one team was just better than the other. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers were a better football team than the Vikings. Le'Veon Bell, he goes for 27 carries, 87 yards, 3.2 average. That's not that crazy good. No touchdowns for Bell. Um, Antonio Brown, five catches, 62 yards, no touchdowns. That's not that amazing for Brown either. And I think if you told Vikings fans beforehand that you would generally shut down Bell and Brown, you would do okay. But what doesn't show up on the stat sheet are some of those incompletions that resulted in pass interference calls because Pittsburgh – they really only completed, I think, one deep ball, and it was on a free play encroachment penalty where they just threw it deep, I think, to Bryant for 51 yards. But I've never seen a team do what Pittsburgh did yesterday where basically they were just looking for flags downfield, it seemed like. They took five, six, or seven shots deep downfield, and they succeeded in drawing a flag on two or three. It was seriously saying, hey, we don't respect this secondary quite as much as maybe the rest of the league does. We think we can beat them, and they did. Well, and it's something that we should you know, keep an eye on all year with, with how much man-to-man coverage the Vikings play and with how physical the cornerbacks try to play, uh, that uh, you know, teams are going to try to take shots at them down the field. And Xavier Rhodes was very, very good yesterday. For the most part, the Vikings defense played great yesterday. But you know, opposite Rhodes, you're going to have a weaker corner uh, whether it's Waynes or, or, or somebody else, and you know, at that at they and they had the Steelers had Martavius Bryant, who is a very good wide receiver, who's who's coming off a suspension. He's one of the fastest players in the NFL. You, you could really could see that on the slant uh, that he took to the house. He is a, a very very fast receiver. So when you do all that man-to-man coverage and you get up in their face and try to bump them, uh, and you have a lesser corner on one of the faster guys in the league. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is going to say, hey, I'm going to take a shot. And either it's going to be a, a catch, a completion, uh, and a decent chance of a, a pass interference call with, with the type of uh, you know, defense that the Vikings play. And so they, they, I think teams are going to do that you know, throughout the year. They're going to say, hey, let's take you know, three or four just straight go-route shots down the field. Hopefully we get one or two pass interference penalties as part of those five throws. Maybe we'll catch a ball or two. Uh, as well, and uh, at the end of the day, maybe we'll have three or five hit for basically 40-yard home runs. And so, you know, Wayne's' play wasn't a terrible pass interference in the game, but uh, I think it was enough to be called. And it's it's why you know teams are going to do that. I think as, as the year goes on, just take these shots down the field one on one, and more often probably away from Xavier Rhodes to the other corner. And basically what Pittsburgh did is they identified where the Vikings were going to focus a lot of their energy, which was Antonio Brown, and they said, well, we've got other weapons. We're going to use them. So they used Bryant deep. They used Eli Rogers quite well. Jesse James got involved. Juju Smith-Schuster had a touchdown on the shovel pass. It was 14 nothing, and at that point it seemed fairly insurmountable for the Vikings. I mean, even when they were down 11 there in the second half, it didn't seem like they had enough flow offensively to get things going and a lot of that due to self-inflicted wounds pass protection was not as good yesterday there were myriad holding calls on the guards on the tackles and even though Keenum only got sacked two times it seemed like he was backpedaling quite a bit trying to escape pressure and certainly Sam Bradford is special when it comes to hanging in a pocket and still throwing accurately under immense pressure and Keenum didn't bring quite the same element or the same 
courage to the pocket. And I don't think that's a knock on Keenum. I think Bradford's just superior at that particular skill. But uh, the protection yesterday was not nearly as good. No, it wasn't. And it was you know, fairly obvious early in that football game, this is not the New Orleans Saints. And you know, speaking of the New Orleans Saints, I'm watching highlights here of the Patriots just toasting that secondary uh, throughout the first half and, and throughout the game. Uh, the New Orleans Saints defense is one of the worst in the league. The Steelers is much, much better, and it sort of showed uh, all the, the, the Vikings' weaknesses on offense, particularly the offensive line. They look like the offensive line that we sort of saw in the preseason and we saw last year. So um, it sort of came back down to reality uh, after that first game, and, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see as the year goes on. But yep, yeah, as you said, Case Keenan was a little quicker to get out of the pocket. You know, there was one series where I think three straight plays, two of them being play-action plays, uh, that pocket collapsed in about a second and a half, and he really had no time. And as the game went on, he was quicker and quicker to get out of that pocket uh, and get away from all those hits. Well, Sage, I'm not one to pat myself on the back that often for my gambling advice, but I am two for two with my Thursday night picks. But more important than who you're betting on, it's where you're betting. And I suggest people go to mybookie.ag, a spot that's been in business for years with a rock-solid rep, 100% cash bonuses, so you can make money for doing diddly squat. They have fast payouts. Just two business days is all it takes. So when you know the result, you have the instinct, the intuition, lay down the cash, win big. They have in-game, live betting the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on-the-go a breeze. I wouldn't recommend it unless it was a great service. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to activate the offer. MyBookie.ag. Visit it today. You play, you win, you get paid. Is there anything more deflating when you're watching from the sideline than, than seeing like a 50-yard pass interference penalty? That, that's got to be kind of a sideline deflator, isn't it? It's really the exact same thing as a completion anymore. And I, I tweeted out yesterday during the game, you know, I, I understand the NFL, uh, you know, the, the, the rules are different. You know, college, a, a, a 50-yard pass, pass interference is only a 15-yard play. Uh, but, you know, it's such a big play in a football game. And and uh, it's, it's a tough play to sometimes call that I believe that you know, anything over you know, 15, 20, 25 yards, that's such a big play that can really change the outcome of a game or a season. I almost feel like they should be reviewed. Uh, but it, it is deflating uh, you know, to a sideline to have one of those big plays down the field completely ch- can change the momentum of a football game, whether it's completion or pass interference. Yeah, if I were making the rules, and I'm not, and I realize the rule's been around forever, but... I think I would get rid of the spot foul, and I would try to find some kind of happy medium, maybe invent like a 25-yard penalty. If it's beyond 25 yards, it can't be any more than that. Uh, that that's how I would do it if I were Roger Goodell. But if I were Roger Goodell, I'm sure I would do a lot of other things too. So, <laughs> Very uh, true, very true. Yes. When you're playing in a game that has that many flags, like 25 or so if you include the decline penalties, does that affect the flow that you feel within the game as a player? Does that kind of get you out of your rhythm? Yeah, well, offensively, it definitely gets you out of your rhythm. And, and you know, when, when you move the ball down the field with a good, sustained drive. And, you know, o- over the years, teams, uh, the, the way to, to score points against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers is to sustain drives down the field. 
their, their secondary has been always been very well coached. Tom is a very good defensive coach, a good secondary coach, and they do a really good job of, of one, tackling, and two, keeping the ball in front of them. So you have to sustain these drives, and when there's nonstop uh, uh, penalties and, and stop in action, uh, and all those things that it's it's hard to you know get in any sort of rhythm. But uh, you know at the end of the day it was an ugly football game, a lot of penalties. It was just sort of a boring game to watch. It, you know it was nothing. Uh, and this has sort of been a topic of conversation uh, lately around the NFL. Uh, you know college football is so much fun to watch on Saturday. And and there's you know there, that that Texas USC game was unbelievable. If yes. watched on Saturday night, there has not been a game anywhere near. Uh, you know, the fun and the magic of that Saturday night Texas-USC uh, game, you know, so far in the first two weeks of the NFL, and I think that's a problem. I think the NFL is going to start losing a few fans to college football because it just is so much more fun to watch. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Okay, I've got a public relations question for you. So I, I don't know if you saw yesterday on Twitter, but you know, Mike Zimmer's press conference afterward, very curt, very brief. When I'm he, not going to talk about injuries. I'm not going to talk about Bradford's knee. I'm just not going to talk about it. I think the word that the columnists are using is petulant to describe it, and I, that's not my word. That's their word. But it is becoming a trend where Zimmer is typically he's happy after wins. He's grumpy after losses, and he kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve, very short with the media. Do you think that the kind of ups and downs there from Zimmer, can that affect uh, the way a team perceives itself? Or did you want to see a coach be a little more positive or more level-headed, I guess, after a loss like that? Or are you okay with uh, grumpy Mike Zimmer after losses? I I like level-headed coaches. I think that the reason Bill Belichick, does his press conferences the way he does them for the most part, Eli Manning, is they make them as boring as possible just so they're the same every single week. And uh, everyone knows that a, a newspaper writer and, and uh, a great quote uh, never wins football games. It's it's the action on the field. So uh, I always like it when coaches sort of kept things at an even keel. I mean, at the end of the day yesterday, you know, what are you really going to The Vikings didn't play great, but they didn't play terrible. And, and I was once told that very early in my career, uh, it's never when you win. It's never as good as you think, and when you lose, it's usually never as bad as you think. Sometimes it is, but it's, it's usually not as bad as you think. And it, it wasn't a terrible game for the Vikings yesterday. They just played against a better football team uh, who had a quarterback who's a you know probably a first ballot Hall of Famer against the backup, and and they end up being you know two touchdowns better. It's you know sort of uh, it's how the game went. It doesn't mean that the Vikings played terrible. Uh, they just weren't uh, as good as that football team with a much better quarterback. Some of it, too, with Zimmer, I think, is who's asking the questions. I know he's got certain uh, issues with certain members of the media. That's also a part of it, too. And if someone different asks the question, maybe he would entertain it more. But anyway, moving forward now with Sam Bradford, that's kind of going to be the big talker of the week, and we're probably not going to know anything on his status until, I assume, before the game next Sunday against Tampa. Tampa just destroyed the Bears yesterday in their season opener. I think that's going to be a tough game. That is by no means a cakewalk, even though it's at home. I called that game hugely wrong on Friday. <laughs> yeah. I, I gave the Bears 
the win in that football game. But, uh, you know, Tampa Bay is a very good football team. They're one of these sort of quiet teams because they're in one of the smallest markets in the NFL uh, that they don't get a lot of hype. But, you know, Winston's a good quarterback. Uh, their defense is pesky. They made some some big plays yesterday, two interceptions, one for a touchdown return. Uh, they also had a fumble on, on Mike Lennon. So uh, this Tampa football team is, is, a, is a good football team. They've only played one game because of the hurricane. Uh, so they were fresh and ready to go yesterday, and then they played. Uh, you know, they beat the Bears down pretty good. So should be a very good test for the Vikings, and we shall see if their quarterback, uh, Sam Bradford, is back this week. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. The video I saw before the game when he, when he was out there throwing with with the trainer Eric Sugarman uh, did not look good. I mean, he was you could tell sort of I thought sort of dragging his leg a little bit when he was just walking. You know, his drop was really really you know of a 50% just sort of playing catch with your kid in the backyard, you know, type of drop, and they knew at that point it wasn't good enough. So the fact that it's been, it was six days from Monday night uh, in, until Sunday, and that's the shape that he was in, that's a little concerning to me, and I, I would not be surprised if it's a, a couple-week injury for Sam Bradford with the swelling in that knee. Yeah, maybe it's just a rest thing. It sounds like it's non-surgical. That's the one thing we have been told, that it, it's just going to require the swelling to go down. It seemed to get worse as the week went on. I didn't see that kind of gingerness when I was watching him warm up on, on Wednesday or Thursday, so it, it almost seems like it's almost declining, which is also concerning. Flying in airplanes never helps either. Uh, yeah. That's one of those things that you know the trainers you, you talk about when you have a you know, swollen knee or elbow or ankle or whatever it is that you get on those airplanes and, and you fly a couple hours and, and uh, usually it swells up even more. So uh, it, it did seem it did seem uh, as you said worse uh, on mm-hmm. on Sunday than, than it was on Wednesday and Thursday, which is concerning. And, and you know Bradford's not 23 years old, 24. Uh, guys over the 30s, they start to heal a little bit slower, and that, that swelling seems to last a little bit longer. We touched briefly on Chicago and Tampa. Just to, to wrap things up here, any other surprises for you from yesterday's action? I'm looking through the scores. There wasn't anything that was too shocking. Maybe that Denver wiping the floor with Dallas, 42-17. to Trevor Simeon looked like a Pro Bowl quarterback in that one. He did. I, I think that's a both those teams are really interesting uh, to to look at right now. I'll start with the Broncos. The Broncos, I think, playing the best division in football, the AFC West. I mean, the Chiefs are phenomenal, uh, and uh, obviously the Chargers aren't very good, but the Raiders are very, very good. And I think the Broncos are a good football team. Uh, Dallas got exposed in that game, and, and for a couple reasons. One, their defense is just average, if not worse than average. So, you know, they allowed a quarterback, Trevor Seaman, who I really do like, who I think is one of these quietly good quarterbacks who may end up being the guy in Denver, you know, long term as a seventh round draft pick. Um, he did a really nice job against a poor defense. Now on the other side, Denver's defense is phenomenal. You know, probably a top three, top four defense in the league. Very, very good at stopping the run first. Well, so that they stopped uh, uh, that great offensive line of the Dallas Cowboys. They stopped that running game with the Zigu Elliott. That means that. Uh, they had, you know, a lot of uh, throwing opportunities. It was Dak Prescott, an elite quarterback. You know, can he uh, carry a team on his shoulders when you can't run the football and you have to throw 45 times? Uh, it showed yesterday against the top five defense that that passing game is not up to par yet uh, against a really good defense. You know, Des Bryant, uh, he's a very good receiver, but he doesn't get separation. You know, he doesn't. Uh, you know, Julio Jones, and you see him run slant routes, you see him run go routes. Uh, you know, in deep in routes, 
he gets separation from his from the DBs and cornerbacks, and Des Bryant does not do that. And obviously, Jason Witten, he's not a big separation guy at the, the sort of the end of his career. Uh, they have some guys in the slot, but that passing game against you know up and run bump man to man coverage type teams uh, really struggled yesterday and sort of showed off the weaknesses of that Dallas Cowboys team. Yep, and I think that was going to be the mark against them going into the season was that defense, and it definitely showed yesterday on the road in Denver in a, in a crazy delayed game that went until basically Sunday night football started. And then the Packers lost in Sunday night football 34-23. wasn't that close, so they dropped to 1-1 one and one along with the Vikings. The Detroit Lions leading the NFC North right now with a 1-0 and record. They play tonight against New York. I think we both took Detroit, right? I still like Detroit in this football game. The Giants look so bad. Their offensive line looked absolutely atrocious last week. The defense is good, uh, but their offensive line looked atrocious. Just a little uh, little FYI, this is the 10-year anniversary weekend of the uh, New York Giants 2007 Super Bowl uh, uh, win. So I, I'm friends with a lot of those guys uh, from my short time with the Giants. I see them all in New York the last uh, you know couple days uh, re- reliving that celebration. So it's uh, I'm a little jealous uh, here uh, and uh, and watch my buddies. Uh, I'll go through that experience, and so it should be a should be a fun night to watch football. But I do like Detroit in this football game. Sage will be back with us on Wednesday, and we'll start turning the page to Tampa with Jameis and Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans and Dirt Cutter, their new head coach. Sage, uh, thanks for carving out some time. I know you're doing a ton of radio interviews these days, so we appreciate it to have you on Lockdown Vikings. Sounds good. Chat with you Wednesday. All right, that's Sage. I'm Sam. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's brought to you by mybookie.ag, where you can get into all the action. They will match your initial deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Use the promo code Locked On. Wish this rain would hurry up and Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.